North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome to Dr. Lowe's show. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. Welcome back. So good to have you. We are going to be diving into a topic that is uh, pretty fun (laughs) tonight. It might be one of those TMI interviews. And um, it always makes me laugh when I'm sitting across my desk from a patient and they're looking at me and just like, I can't believe I'm about to tell you about this, but they tell me all about their bowel movements and they always feel like it's so embarrassing, but there's no topic that is too crazy at this point in my career. I've pretty much heard everything with patients. So, so I'm not shy about it. I invite you to listen with an open mind and learn some new stuff. Before we jump into the show, I want to give some love to our show sponsor, Organifi. If you haven't tried it, you must try Organifi. I absolutely love it. It's my favorite, favorite green drink. I keep it in my purse. I actually just switched from Sprint to Verizon. And as I was checking out, um, the guy who was helping me, I gave him a packet of Organifi and he was really excited. I just, I just love giving it to people because I know how healthy it is. And unfortunately we are in an increasingly toxic world and giving ourselves that protection and that, and that nutrition is even more important now than it ever has been. I have a very special discount for you. If you would like to try Organifi, you can head over to Organifi.com and at checkout, enter Dr. Lowe and you will get yourself 20% off your order. So that's Organifi with an I.com and Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O at checkout and you'll get 20% off. By the way, thank you so much for leaving the reviews over on iTunes. It means so much to me. I so appreciate it. If you've been listening to the show and you're getting value out of it, you're learning things, you're spreading the word. Thank you. And um, if you could just take a second, go over to iTunes, leave me a review. It would mean so much to me. I would so appreciate it because the more reviews we have, the higher the show gets rated and we get more and more awesome guests and reach more and more people. So that's what this is all about is changing healthcare. So you're in this with me guys. (laughs) All right, before we jump in the show, I just want to say that if you have been listening and you want to look into things for yourself, maybe you're having some symptoms, you're having some issues, you just need some guidance with, maybe you just need some support you know, looking into a particular condition you were diagnosed with, or if you want some blood work done, if you want to look into things, go ahead and reach out to us. We're happy to help. I have a practice over at Shine Natural Medicine, and we have a whole team of doctors who love working with with our patients, love getting you healthy. So you can learn more about how we work and, um, you know, a little bit of the practice over at shinenaturalmedicine.com. So hop over there and you can learn a little bit about us and we would love to work with you. And it's not a a problem if you are not local in San Diego, we can work over the phone or Skype and, um, and we can, you know, definitely help you in location is not an issue. All right, guys, with all that said, let's jump into our show. 
Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're talking about a topic that I think if we're all going to be real, all of us have experienced at least once in our life. Probably that's fair to say. And we're talking all about diarrhea, natural cures for diarrhea. What's at the root of chronic diarrhea? What about if it's an acute issue? What are things you can do to help resolve the situation from a natural perspective? So I did a show a few months back on constipation and it was actually a really popular topic. And I know that this is something a lot of people have dealt with and, and it can be really, really frustrating too. when you feel like you've done everything to improve it. And so I hope with this episode tonight, you'll get some ideas maybe something that you haven't thought of before and something that you can kind of put in your, in your uh, natural medicine first aid box to things you can do, you know, to prevent this from happening and remedies and stuff like that. So I think it's something that'll be really interesting. I was talking with my guest a moment ago before we press record and we said, gosh, like we have made it. We get to talk about diarrhea for like close to an hour. We really have reached this, uh, you know, dream job. No, we're, being silly, but it's, it's something we all can relate to. And we're happy to, to talk about this. So joining me for this topic is Dr. Ruscio. And, um, so Dr. Ruscio, tell us a little bit of, uh, we'll put this topic aside <laughs> for a sec. What, what brought you into this world of natural medicine in the first place? That was actually my own health. First of all, thank you for having me on, yeah, of course. Um, but it was actually my, my own health experiences where, I was in college. I wanted to go into medicine. I didn't know exactly what branch of medicine I wanted to go into. And I ended up acquiring a amoebic infection in my intestines. And, and so the amoeba is, is known as amoeba histolytica, which is a fairly pathogenic, fairly damaging amoeba. And it usually will manifest with, ironically, diarrhea as one of the chief symptoms, like many parasitic infections will. But in my case... My my bowels were, were were pretty much normal, but I was having really bad insomnia, brain fog, fatigue, depression. Uh, I lost a little bit of weight. I I kind of thought I was maybe hypothyroid because my skin was getting drier, my hair was getting thinner. I was feeling a little bit cold, kind of like all the time. And that experience really taught me that if there's something imbalanced in the gut it doesn't always necessarily manifest as gut symptoms and can manifest as other symptoms that, that I was kind of chasing down thinking that, that it was hypothyroid or thinking that it was, you know, uh, some kind of toxicity. And, and so it really taught me the lesson that if you miss a problem in the gut, uh, it, it can be very challenging to heal because the gut is so foundationally important for, for our health, broadly speaking. So when, when that happened, I, I saw a few different types of doctors. I saw a few different conventional doctors, um, a um, GP, an internist, and an endocrinologist, and they all said, well, everything's normal. You're really healthy. And of course, you know, inside my head, I'm thinking, well, I'm not healthy. I feel yeah. terrible compared to how I felt before. Maybe I don't have high blood pressure or a conventional disease, but these symptoms that I'm expressing to you, like waking up five times a night and feeling depressed at times, you know, these are not normal in my mind, and yeah. it'd be great to have a little bit of help. So I, I ended up finding a functional medicine doctor and they found a parasite at first i was like what are you even talking about a parasite is totally foreign to me but that really ended up being the only treatment that helped me um and so i decided to kind of follow suit there and now my main focus and practice is is digestive conditions that's so cool and i'm so glad you brought this up that you can have something going on in your digestive system and not even have digestive symptoms you can have brain fog, you, you can have depression, 
joint pain, even like allergies or hives, like seasonal allergies, that could be a reflection of things going on in your gut. I love that you said that. So, and, and for the audience, we, we have a very similar um, specialty, I think, in, in what we see for conditions, so autoimmune, thyroid issues, digestive issues. And Dr. Ruscio's spoken at a lot of the same conferences that I've spoken to, so ancestral health, paleo effects, um, also the SIBO symposium. So, and I know that you speak a lot about digestive issues at those different events. So I love that you took this, you know, this experience and this is a big focus that you have in your career now. And so, I mean, do you just see all kinds of issues resolve that, that are supposed to be incurable? I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly not to say that it's a panacea and that it can fix everything, but there are, there are definitely a lot of people who come in to see me who, who first do have things like IBS or, or gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, abdominal pain, and, and we resolve that. But what's equally as interesting is some people come in and their only complaint is joint pain or rheumatoid right. arthritis. And we find that they have a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. We treat that and their joint pain is so good they can finally come off Humira for the first time in like four years and not have a relapse. Right. Or people with depression uh, or, or skin conditions and like atopic dermatitis or rosacea or eczema that improve after uh, fixing a condition in the gut. So it's certainly not to say that it's a panacea, but we are learning and, it, and we are seeing documented in the research literature now things like rosacea. You know, we're seeing randomized clinical trials showing that people with rosacea, when treated, rosacea just being a skin condition where you kind of have this mild lesioning and, and pinkening of the skin, which can be unpleasant and uncomfortable and unsightly, we're seeing now that just the treatment of something like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth has been clinically documented to improve a skin condition like rosacea. Yeah. Um, and so it's cool to see that the research literature is it's catching up with what we see in clinical practice and really giving us that extra level of validity to be able to stand behind the statement that a problem in the gut can affect your brain, your skin, uh, your metabolism, and, and really feel confident about that statement. Mm-hmm. And, and for people who've, who've been following the show, you guys know this from previous episodes, Pretty much any topic we talk about, we're going to talk about the gut as being oftentimes the root uh, of, of that condition. So we did a show recently with Dr. Trevor Cates about her new book, um, Clean Skin from Within. You know, I've done a show even a couple years ago with, doc- with uh, Julia Ross, the author of, Mo- of The Mood Cure, and we were talking about how so much related to mental and emotional health comes back to that digestive system. So we could put a couple of those links in the show notes for you guys, but it all goes back to the gut. So let's dive into this topic tonight. And if we're all keeping it real, we've all experienced at least once probably. So we're talking about diarrhea. And diarrhea isn't just as simple as, you know, I ate this one thing and maybe you get diarrhea and that's it. There's, there's something to it. So if there's chronic issues or if it's happening um, as an acute issue, it, there's different things that can cause it, right? So let's dive into diarrhea um, what what actually constitutes diarrhea in the first place? I mean, is it just loose stools or, or what are we talking about exactly? Well, um, yeah, diarrhea doesn't isn't limited to just the definition of of what what someone might picture in their head, which is they have this almost waterly waterly like diarrhea. Uh, it can also constitute looser stools, and I, I believe the diagnostic criteria is. Um, 20% of the time or more stools feel loose or somewhat watery or foamy, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like the inverse of constipation. Constipation doesn't, isn't only diagnosed if someone goes to the bathroom only twice a week, but rather even something like 
reporting incomplete evacuation more than 20% of the time. So more than 20% of your bowel movements you feel like you don't completely empty constitutes constipation. And, and the inverse of that is kind of true for diarrhea. Um, but I guess we could just simply say if, if people are noticing more than just the occasional loose stools or watery stools, then diarrhea may be a problem for them. And, and we want to kind of get them down the, the channels of trying to figure out what's underlying that. Yeah. Well, we'll get to remedies and, and different treatments towards the end. Let's talk about what's, what's at the root of this. I mean, for what you see in your practice, what are some of the main reasons why someone might have some ongoing issues with this? It's a great question. And I like to think about this kind of like in a hierarchy and it's a, a large part of what I do in, in the clinic is when someone has a certain symptom, we look at the different causes that could be associated with that symptom. And we investigate those starting with usually the most common and the easiest to treat condition. And then we kind of work our way through the list. And, and certainly there are things that can tip you off from one compared to the other. But since we're you know, since I'm talking to an audience here and not listening to one person's case, I'll just kind of give you like the, the, the broad hierarchy in terms of how to work through these things. The, the first step, in my opinion, really should be looking at one's diet because uh, there may not be necessarily anything wrong with the person. It just might be that the diet that they're eating isn't well suited for their particular intestinal environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can get into the specifics in a minute, but the first thing I would try is a couple different dietary approaches. And there's a, there's a few different ones that are, are good to at least give a short try. And if that doesn't resolve the issue, then I'd look into some digestive supports, most namely some probiotics, some digestive enzymes and acids to help aid with digestion. And then if that doesn't provide relief, I would look into some type of dysbiosis Dysbiosis is just a term meaning imbalances in the healthy bacteria and fungus predominantly in the gut. So we talked about SIBO before, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth would be one example of that. There also may be something like fungus or candida, potentially H. pylori, some type of imbalance in the things that are already kind of there, but now they've overgrown. Uh, and along with dysbiosis, someone may want to look into at the same time over infection. So this might be something like Giardia, which shouldn't be in your intestines, but it can get in there and then cause something like diarrhea. Um, and getting more toward the end of the line, there might be some inflammatory or immune condition like inflammatory bowel disease, which will typically manifest as Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Um, and a lot of these have similar treatments where we still kind of work through some of the similar steps. So even if someone has inflammatory bowel disease, kind of being more of an end phase diagnosis, I would say, because it's less common, they still may want to start with some of the same starting points of diet because some of those same diets can be helpful for inflammatory bowel disease. Um, but that's kind of what I work through is first we start with diet, then we try a few digestive supports, then we look into imbalances like um, dysbiosis, and then we may look for inflammatory or, or autoimmune problems in the gut. Mm -hmm. I remember I'm getting a flashback back to high school when I was a Kaiser patient, and I would go to doctor after doctor when I had dig digestive issues, I had a face covered in acne, I had depression, anxiety. Of course, I'd see different specialists for each thing. And I remember just asking, is there anything I can do to help with my digestive symptoms? Is there anything I can do to help with my skin? And, and I remember the doctor just saying, there's no connection with what you eat and how your skin looks. And, and the, the gastroenterologist had said, you want to do a bland diet. 
you know, so just stick to like crackers and just, <laughs> you know, I think it probably made it worse. <laughs> they told me to eat. So let's talk a little bit more about diet. I know both of us share the belief that food is medicine and our food is powerful. So what, what are some of the main offenders you see? And then are there any certain kinds of foods that can really help? Yes. I think there's maybe three categories that we can organize the dietary changes into the first really basic, but worth repeating, which is processed foods, right? And the foods that we all know that we shouldn't be eating, uh, junk foods, added sugars, things with artificial sweeteners, things that are highly processed, things with trans fats, things that you might buy from a vending machine or a convenience store. Right. So I think, you know, that, that kind of goes without saying, but just is, is worth uh, adding that in. And that's not just a philosophical construct. There are, things and most namely certain emulsifiers that help increase the shelf life in processed foods. And these emulsifiers actually are irritating to the lining of the intestines and mm. use of these emulsifiers in the food supply have been correlated with different digestive conditions. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not just a theoretical premise. There are actually things in those foods that we know are irritating to the gut and certainly aren't going to help anybody. So that now, one, are there any ingredients know, that maybe someone could look for on the label to see if that might be in it? You know, the challenge with the ingredients is they keep changing what they call certain ingredients. Right. Right. Um, so there's, you know, a few different ways you can describe the same chemical or a similar chemical. So what I would recommend is people look for the shortest list of ingredients that has the easiest to pronounce words. And if you go to Whole Foods and you buy, if you look at a bag of organic, uh, really kind of simple potato chips, you might see seven ingredients. Right. There might be coconut oil, potatoes, maybe a little bit of safflower oil, uh, salt, pepper. Then you go look at like a name brand, you know, non-healthy quote unquote potato chip and look at the ingredient list and you'll see things like sodium benzoate and, uh, you know, all these other crazy terms that you probably even uh, have a hard time pronouncing like monosodium glutamate, which is right. people may have heard of. So I think the easiest strategy is just to look at the length of the label and how hard it is to pronounce certain words. And the shorter the label, the simpler the words are, the more likely that's going to be, uh, you know, the, the least offensive of your options. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So they, you want them to cut out the processed foods. What, what other processed food one? That's, that's the easy one. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. from there, I think that the, the biggest two people will kind of experiment with will be reducing food allergens. And I'm using that term kind of loosely, um, but foods that your body doesn't like from an immune perspective, they're a little bit irritating. They're a little bit inflammatory. And then the other would be foods that can feed bacterial growth or, or foods that are highly what's known as fermentable. So the allergens are things like gluten, dairy, soy, uh, mm-hmm. eggs, nuts and seeds, nightshade vegetables for some people. And these are just foods, to put it kind of simply, that your immune system may not like. And you have a little bit of a immune or allergic type reaction to. And the paleo diet does a good job of giving you one diet that's pretty low in, in allergens and, and kind of pulls a lot of these out. So that's not a bad starting point to try the paleo diet for, in my opinion, two to four weeks. And if you're not noticing any improvement after two to four weeks, you may want to move on to a diet that also incorporates limiting some of these fermentable foods. And this is where a diet known as the low FODMAP diet comes in. And the low FODMAP diet is a diet that's low in foods that are kind of seemingly healthy, um, like, for example, asparagus and cauliflower 
are high in FODMAPs. And these FODMAPs are compounds that feed bacteria. But if people have that small intestinal bacterial overgrowth that we discussed earlier, and that's underlying their diarrhea, and then they eat a lot of these vegetables like asparagus and cauliflower that are um, high in FODMAPs that feed bacteria, they can actually make their diarrhea worse. And it may be other digestive symptoms also like bloating and abdominal pain. And, and we do have clinical studies that have shown quite impressive results in groups of people who have these types of symptoms who then restrict those high FODMAP foods and see a nice response in how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I think that's so important, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this before, but um, is because, again, these foods on, on face value, they seem so healthy, right? They're, they're stereotyped to be really healthy. And it's not to say that they're they're not healthy, but if you have a certain imbalance in your gut, at least in the short term, it may be beneficial to remove some of these. Right. Um, so I have a few more, but I guess I'll, I'll pause there for a second. Yeah, no, I think it's a, wanna... it's a great point, which you brought up is like, it's not that these foods are unhealthy. It's just, it might not be the right time to do them. So if you have something called SIBO, you have bacteria that should be in the large intestine that's moved up into the small intestine and that shouldn't be there at all. And so if you feed them healthy foods that help bacteria to thrive, it's just going to make them thrive in the wrong place. So it's just about getting that situation resolved first. And I, and I, and I see that a lot when, when I have a patient coming in who um, is having chronic diarrhea, definitely SIBO is one of the first things we look at. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, okay, cool. So you mentioned maybe doing a paleo diet or potentially low FODMAP. Um, any other ideas before we, we move on? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a couple other that can be helpful. Um, if it's trying to more kind of acutely quell something or, or doing something that almost feels like hitting the reset button, then using a modified liquid fast can also be helpful. Mm-hmm. And in the clinic, we'll have people try to perform a liquid only fast for a few days, any, anywhere from two to four days is what we recommend our patients shoot for. And we have them either make bone broth and sip on the broth throughout the day as, as their source of calories or make a cleansing lemonade known as the master's cleanse solution. And they'll stop eating food completely and just sip on these solutions. And, and it may sound kind of difficult, but some people have probably noticed, hey, if I skip breakfast, my gut actually feels kind of good. So we're mm-hmm. just kind of taking that same concept and running with it for a little while longer to, to give the gut a chance to heal. And the analogy I like to use is if you sprained your ankle and you were running three miles every day, it'd be hard for your ankle to heal. If your gut was really inflamed and you're eating three to four meals a day, it can be hard for your gut to heal. So this kind of gives your gut a little bit of a break by getting off of food completely for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of, of water one. fasting. Yeah, just to jump in, we did, yeah. a, we did an episode all about water fasting a few years back. So we'll put a link in the show notes. But um, that's something I, for myself, I did a water fast of 10 days a few years ago. And it was amazing. I wanted to keep going. And I swear my, my clarity was amazing. I had I only needed to sleep like six hours a night because I had all this energy, even though I, I had to be really conscious to not push it too much. But but yeah, it's just, uh, I, I think giving your, your digestive system a break every now and then is, is a really great idea. So even doing like a day fast every week or maybe a weekend every, you know, every quarter, I think it's, um, it's, there's so much energy that we put into digesting our foods. And especially now, if our diets aren't as healthy as they're designed to be, that's even more stress on that digestive tract. So giving yourself that break can be really powerful. Love it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. 
Um, okay, so there's just one other one that people may find helpful, and this is known as the BRAT diet, which stands for bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. And this type of diet's been shown to be helpful for acute bouts of diarrhea. I would recommend that someone use gluten-free toast just because there, there may be people who have diarrhea because of gluten sensitivity. Um, so I would use bananas, rice, applesauce, and gluten-free toast. And for some people who maybe don't do well with fasting at all, like they, they get jittery or hangry when they don't eat, then eating a small amount of those types of foods for a couple of days may provide some short-term relief. And then I'd revert back to one of those other diets that we talked about in the longer term. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So let's say someone has made a bunch of changes with their diet and they're still having diarrhea. So what's their next step? So the next step would then be considering probiotics and some of these digestive supports. And I think probiotics are confusing to people. And I'm hoping maybe to provide a perspective here that simplifies it a little bit for people. As a general rule, it's not 100% accurate, but it, it, it gets you 80% of the benefit. As a general rule, my feeling is there's, there's three kind of classes of probiotics that are worth exploring. The first is a bifidobacterium lactobacillus type of blend. And what that will look like is when you look on the label, you'll see that most of the strains start with either bifidobacterium or lactobacillus. There might be a couple other ones in there, but you're going to see generally bifidobacterium and lactobacillus. So that's one class to try. And another class simply contains Saccharomyces boulardii only, and this is just a healthy type of fungus. And then a third class would be what's known as a spore-forming or a soil-based probiotic, and these oftentimes contain many strains of bacillus species in them, so you'll see different forms of bacillus. And these, I think, are the the, uh, three most accessible, most well-studied probiotics. There is a fourth class. It's not sold in the United States, but you can obtain it from a pharmacy or a, a store outside the U.S. And this is known as E. coli Nissel 1917. And this actually has some pretty impressive documentation in treating diarrhea. So it's certainly something that may be worth exploring if you have diarrhea, but they don't sell it in the United States, so it's a little bit harder to get. But those, I would say, if you've tried those probiotics, then and they've helped, they can keep going with them. But if you've tried them and you're still not getting any better, I'd say that probiotics as a treatment class may not be beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. And if you do a little bit and notice that you get a lot worse, could that maybe be a clue of something else going on? It it may be. Um, typically, what I notice like I know is people. SIBO, right? SIBO can be worsened by certain kinds of probiotics, right? Well, that's a, that's a great question. And in my mind, I think that probiotics are generally helpful for SIBO. And we do have a number of clinical trials showing that probiotics can actually function as a standalone treatment for SIBO. Um, I think what happens sometimes and where, where what you're saying comes from is when a probiotic has a high amount of prebiotic also in it, mm-hmm. and people are actually responding negatively to the prebiotic, and not so much the probiotic. Or someone may just not respond to a probiotic at all, and it may not necessarily have to do with the SIBO per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a little bit different in my thinking on that, but I've seen enough papers come out now showing that people with the symptoms that we think shouldn't respond to probiotics, most namely bloating, mm-hmm. uh, actually respond well. And, and, and so I, I will say that the most 
common negative side effects from probiotics does tend to be bloating. And maybe second to that could actually be a provocation of diarrhea or a provocation of constipation. But I do think if someone has SIBO or suspects SIBO, it's not a bad idea to at least try a probiotic and see if, if you tolerate it. And quite simply, if you do, I would continue with it. And if you don't, I would, I would move on. And if you notice that you have bloating with a probiotic, maybe check the label and see if there is a prebiotic in it, right? Like FOS or something like that. Maybe having one without that in it might be a better fit for that person. Yes. Okay. I, would, I would definitely recommend when trying a probiotic, you aim for one that has less than 1,000 milligrams of probiotic contained in it. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a pretty good way of, of making sure that you don't have enough, I'm sorry, prebiotic. It has a less than 1,000 milligrams of a prebiotic in there. That's usually enough to make sure that you don't uh, have a negative reaction. Got it. And so, and then you mentioned Saccharomyces boulardii, that's a beneficial yeast. Is that okay for someone who might have candida or yeast overgrowth? Yes. In fact, I think it's, I think it's um, probably even better for, for those types of people because it's kind of fighting fire with fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find, especially if you found that your, your diarrhea happened post antibiotic use in particular, you know, if you notice that maybe everything was fine until you went on antibiotics, let's say for a cold or, uh, you know, maybe some sort of bacterial infection, if you were having like, um, strep throat or something. And, and then you notice that you've had diarrhea since then a good probiotic, um, definitely Saccharomyces boulardii, I would consider those can be really, really, really effective. Precisely. And maybe something for the audience. And, you know, this is a bit of a general statement. So you'll want to get a second opinion on this, but there's been quite a number of studies that have shown that when probiotics are given at the same time as antibiotics, the probiotics actually enhance the effectiveness of the antibiotics in clearing or killing whatever infection they're they're in trying they're trying to get rid of. Wow. Which I think which I think is important for people to understand because people will often say, you know, in my office anyway, why bother taking a probiotic at the same time as an antibiotic? Won't the antibiotic just kill the probiotic? Right. And that's actually, that's actually uh, I think, a misguided assumption. It's an understandable assumption. But when we look at the research literature, we see the, the clearance rate of the infection goes up and the probiotic helps maintain the healthy bacteria and the healthy balance in the person taking it at the same time. Hmm. Very interesting, Doc. I like that one. <laughs> Let's jump into a little bit more. We'll touch on SIBO real quick, and then we'll talk about maybe some other treatment ideas. So we've done, we've done some previous shows on SIBO, but just to keep it simple, how can someone find out if this is something that they're dealing with? Yeah, a great way to find out if you have SIBO is to take a breath test. There's generally two different gases that are assessed. There's hydrogen gas and there's methane gas. You want to look for a test that will assess both. And there's two different testing solutions that you drink as part of the test either glucose or lactulose. There's debate regarding which one is the best. If you have a good provider, you can probably make either test work, Um, but there is a little bit of debate uh, regarding that. And there's one other thing I just want to mention quickly for people. The the criteria for how you, you read the breath test and interpret if it's positive or negative has recently been updated to make it a bit more uh, stringent. And so what I've seen happen is some people keep being told that they have SIBO because their, their healthcare practitioner 
although well-intentioned, is not familiar with the updated criteria for interpreting these tests. And the person actually, their, their lab report says positive, but the results are actually a negative because of the updated criteria. And these poor patients keep thinking that they have SIBO when they don't. And yeah. sometimes it's nice just to be able to say, you don't have this condition anymore because what oftentimes happens is someone's symptoms are better, but their labs are still abnormal, you know, quote unquote abnormal. And they think they have to keep coming back to the doctor's office for treatment, but they actually don't. So just something to be aware of there in case you're hitting your head against that wall. If you're feeling better, but your labs are not normal, you may want to get a second opinion on on adhering to the updated criteria. Or update your doctor that there's a new criteria for them to know about. That's very interesting. So talk a little bit um, about the SIBO bio connection. Can you talk about that real quick? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting one. Um, so <clears throat> your, your liver secretes bile and it's stored in your gallbladder for a little while. And then it's essentially squirted into your small intestine as food travels into your small intestine and, and bile helps to digest fat. Um, and bile is actually also antibacterial. So bile kind of coasts through the small intestine helping you to digest fats. And also it's a bit antibacterial. So it prevents bacteria from overgrowing in the small intestine, which is where SIBO can occur. However, ironically, and perhaps as a defense mechanism, SIBO, when it actually occurs, this bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine can actually deconjugate bile or, or kind of deactivate bile. And what this can do is it can make someone look like they're bile insufficient or they're malabsorbing fat when they're actually, you know, their, their, their bile production is actually okay, but it's the SIBO that's causing these changes. So um, it's, it's important to be cognizant of that because if people report they have diarrhea and they're, the, the, they notice that eating fat makes that worse or they report that their stools float a lot, then they may have this uh, deconjugation of, of bile occurring secondary to the SIBO. And then the treatment for that, of course, is just treating the SIBO. And then you see the digestive function normalize. Mm. Wow, that's so interesting to understand the underlying mechanism that's going on with that. Really, really cool. So we talked a good amount about SIBO. SIBO is kind of like the infection of of the decade, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's like the new candida. Candida was cool a few decades ago and now SIBO's mm-hmm. having a big comeback. So actually a big appearance. So let's talk besides SIBO, any other infections that you tend to see associated with diarrhea? And then we can jump to maybe some more treatment ideas. Sure. Sure. And I do think that <laughs> candida is going to make a comeback. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I think, I think what's happened is we, we've really kind of realized how important the small intestine is and one of the only ways we have of assessing these imbalances in the small intestines is with the breath test for SIBO, but there's actually being uh, performed some research on small intestinal fungal overgrowth or CFO. And so this is kind of where we get the candida or the yeast in the small intestine. And I think that's going to see increased attention as testing for that becomes available also. So um, you make a great point, which is right now it's like SIBO, 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 but there's right. definitely more to it. And I think a lot of it is is going to center around learning more about the small intestine. But there are definitely some other um, other things to be aware of. There are other bacteria, kind of like we talked about before. You can have things like Salmonella or Campylobacter or Shigella. Uh, these are just kind of your, some of your more typical food poisoning associated pathogens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also viruses 
like norovirus and rotavirus or adenovirus. And a lot of these viruses are kind of the uh, stomach flu-like viruses. And a lot of these will just clear on their own in time. Um, There's also things like protozoa, kind of like a a more advanced bacteria, I guess you could say. And this is something like Giardia or Cryptosporidium or amoebas, like what I had. Um, and if, if your doctor or your clinician is doing a good comprehensive stool analysis, then you should be able to pick up most of these. You just want to make sure you have a pretty comprehensive stool analysis because, you know, unfortunately, just because you poop in a cup doesn't mean a lot of analysis is going into that poop. Right? So um, it, it could be highly analyzed for many different pathogens or only you know, examined for one pathogen. So just make sure you have confidence in the doctor that you're working with who hopefully has a degree of specialty in the gut and, and seems to be pretty thorough and you, you should have all those evaluated for. And uh, it's nice to know that many of these tests can actually be done through insurance. We, we quite routinely use LabCorp and Quest mm-hmm. uh, in, in the United States, which are the two largest reference labs in the U.S. And patients with insurance oftentimes will have complete coverage for that entire profile and those profiles can be pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, let's jump into what people can do about it. So someone listening at home is having some ongoing diarrhea issues. What, what, are th- what can they do at least now? Obviously, you know, cutting out certain foods takes some time. And, and so that can sometimes be a longer process. Is there anything they can do like in the, in the time being to get some relief? Well, I think the, the best short-term relief strategy would be trying that that modified fast or liquid fast that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. That's probably the easiest way to get quick relief. Um, there's, uh, Of course, there's also over-the-counter remedies, things like Imodium and Pepto-Bismo. You know, those um, aren't going to really solve the source of the problem, but they may provide some temporary relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, I would just try to go into one of those diets because those diets can start working within a few days for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of work through that hierarchy diet. And then if, if the diets don't provide relief, you've got the probiotics. And then if the probiotics and, and such don't help, then you may want to consider doing some testing to see if there's a bacterial overgrowth or an infection. Um, and that takes you through a pretty good foundation from, yeah. from there. There's also, if, if none of those things work, you may want to check in with a doctor to see if you have inflammatory bowel disease, especially if, if you ever notice any blood in your stool, mm-hmm. then it's important that you have an evaluation for that because that's a, it's a little different. Inflammatory bowel disease does respond to all the things that we discussed earlier, but you want to know if that's what's going on just so you can make sure to have you know, your, your follow-ups routinely to make sure that that's not progressing in a negative direction. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also know acutely, um, using some activated charcoal can be pretty helpful too. If you're just having just really intense acute diarrhea, just doing a couple capsules, you know, two to four times a day, obviously everybody's different. Check with your doctor on dosing. We're not treating you guys over the air, but this is something that I've seen relief, um, for a lot of my patients, especially when you're traveling. So keeping some charcoal with you just in case can be really helpful because it can kind of absorb, um, some of the digestive juices, so to speak. And when you do that, just be aware that you can get some, some black color on the other end. So not to be alarmed <laughs> if that is, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> um, and then also if we're, if we're going a little bit more into our naturopathic medicine toolbox, um, I know that's part of my specialty is, you know, homeopathic remedies. So you can use Nux Vomica. That's a great option, especially if you have, um, any kind of vomiting or nausea going with your symptoms, um, aloe actually as a homeopathic remedy can be really helpful for diarrhea. 
And then another one is, is a very long name. It's called podophyllum. That's something that can be used as a acute remedy. But obviously this is, this is using it as a symptom relief um, and not getting to the root of the problem, which if, you know, listen to the, to the show again, just to get more ideas about what could be happening more at the root of the issue. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think if there's any other, other ideas. Well, there's one other, one other one I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. That's a bit more preventative, but I, I think this issue is something that I, 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 I think people would do well to have increased awareness about this. Cause I do think this is a, a very strong, viable, potential preventative treatment. Um, there are a little bit of context here. The short context is that in people with an autoimmune condition, there any autoimmune condition, there, there's a elevated chance of having autoimmunity to the lining of your stomach. Now, probably the most common autoimmune condition amongst the listeners, because it's the most common autoimmune condition in the United States and most westernized countries, will be thyroid autoimmunity, either Hashimoto's or Graves' disease. And 20 to 40% of patients with thyroid autoimmunity have been shown to have antibodies against these cells in their stomach known as parietal cells. Um, now, why this is relevant is not to just scare people into thinking that they have one more thing wrong with them, but because mm-hmm. there, there has been two studies done that have shown that in patients with these antibodies, if they are administered B12 injections, they've actually shown um, in a preliminary study, and then also they reaffirm this in a follow-up study, that injections of vitamin B12 can actually shut off that stomach autoimmunity. And once these patients achieved remission of that stomach autoimmunity, they only needed one small, um, what's known as a subcutaneous, um, a little, little like pinprick in, the, in your abdominal fat, B12 injection a month mm-hmm. was able to maintain the remission of this. And why that's important is because this can prevent you from having deterioration of your stomach cells, which can cause you to have low stomach acid, which can cause different symptoms and also can leave you at risk for things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or candida. So you could potentially detract from the need to take HCL supplements with every meal for the rest of your life if you catch this and intervene early by shutting off this autoimmune process. Wow, fascinating. So how would someone know that this might be something going on for them? There's a couple keynote signs that are actually associated with this. Again, if, if you have thyroid autoimmunity, there's a 20 to 40% chance that you may have this condition. But oftentimes people with this condition will also report conditions in the mouth, like feeling like they have sores on their tongue, sores in their mouth, dry mouth, um, uh, painful gums, bleeding gums. Those are some of the most common symptoms that are, that if those are, are present, then there's a much higher probability that, that this will be present. Uh, and then it's pretty simple to do a blood test. It's known as anti-parietal cell antibodies. And all the big labs like LabCorp and Quest will do this. And even if you pay out of pocket, I think it's only maybe like $70 for this. So it's not, um, I may be slightly off in the price, but it's, it's nothing that's exorbitantly expensive. And it can be run via a very simple to do blood test. Wow. Really cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. We haven't shared that on the show before. Awesome doc. Well, we got to talk about diarrhea for a while. That was a treat and hopefully got to uh, have something of value. Any parting words before we let you go and crush your day? No, I think, I think that's really it. Maybe the one thing I would say is, um, it's in my opinion, really helpful that people can learn to listen to their own bodies because you, you hear, all these different things and you may have a friend that 
one diet worked for, and then you feel kind of pressured to do the diet that worked for her, but it's not really working for you. But you keep hearing so much good stuff about this diet. So you keep kind of banging your head against the wall. And I, I think one of the most valuable things that we can do is, is active participants in our own healthcare is just learning to listen to our own body and having confidence in what we observe and not get too much pulled into what other people are saying or what's working for other people. Yes, it's true. And one thing I didn't mention on the show is just the effect of stress on this as well. I mean, I can say this is like probably TMI, but probably for the first couple of years of me doing this show, right before I would start recording, I'd have to run to the bathroom because I'd be so stressed. <laughs> well, I used to do the show live and now I record it. So, um, you know, but I mean, it's just that, that effect of our, our mind on our gut. There's a big connection with that. So, hey, it could be as simple as start incorporating a breathing practice, start doing some yoga, slowing down, you know, working on balancing your stress. And that can oftentimes be a big relief for this too. Love it. Completely agreed. Yeah. Well, Doc, thank you so much for coming on the show, for sharing your expertise. You're such a gift. So helpful, everything that you shared with everybody. So thank you so, so much and um, have a great rest of your day. And hopefully we'll have you back on to talk about something, you know, something even more exciting, I would guess. But no, honestly. It was <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again yeah, so much. Of course. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. All right, y'all, that is the show. Thank you for joining us on the airwaves. It was fun hanging with you guys and talking all about poop and diarrhea and stuff that people are embarrassed to talk about, but it's important because we all experience it from time to time. So I hope you got some good info out of this. And um, if you did enjoy it, please share it with your friends, leave a review, show the love, because that's what it's all about, bringing you this content. And it's very motivating when I see that you're listening, that you're liking it, that you are giving me feedback. It's a conversation because I'll be honest, recording this show, sometimes it's kind of funny because it's me just like talking to my computer. So I want to hear from you. I want to know what you're getting from it. Please talk to me. I'm here for you. I love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. I'm wishing you beautiful, healthy bowel movements, lots of love in your heart, and I'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.